August 30th, 2018, San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference. The first and only live conference 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Join over 300 of the top minds in sales development for a full day of learning, forging new relationships, and creating the next generation of sales development excellence. This year, we have dedicated tracks for sales development leadership, as well as a track for individual sales development representatives, including a full day of ultra-useful hands-on training. Bring your whole team to get the tools, research, and connections you need to accelerate your career and push your sales development program forward. Accelerate your growth at the Sales Development Conference 2018. Go to tenboundcom conference to get your tickets today. That's tenboundcom conference. You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am with a guest who I don't think needs any introduction. I honestly, <laughs> like, if you don't know about this guy, you've obviously been living under a sales development rock or in a cave or something for the last five years <laughs> because I am joined by the illustrious Mr. Tito Bort, the CEO and founder of Alti Sales. How are you doing today, sir? Man, I am after that introduction. I feel like a celebrity here. Uh, I'm great. I appreciate that. Oh, you should, man. I mean, I just saw you a few weeks ago present at the outreach conference, which which was amazing. And big fan of your work on LinkedIn and all the posts and the blog posts and opinions and the research that you put out. So thank you for all you do for our community and for coming on the show. If people have been living under a rock and they haven't been following you on LinkedIn, tell us about you know Tito and, and how you became a sales development thought leader. Yeah, I appreciate that. Sure. I'll, I'll give you a very quick background. I started in sales development with an idea to run a remote team. So I realized SDRs could work from anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're in New York or in San Francisco. And I said, why don't we set up a team maybe in Costa Rica or like in Cancun, Mexico? That idea came to me in 2011, and in 2012, I went down there, and I actually started as an SDR myself with that team. Got myself on the phone, 100 calls a day, booking meetings left and right, as many as we could. It was it was SMB, so it was a lot of meetings per day. Like, we were trying to get three per day. I think our record was like 13 in one day, so just uh, an, an insane model. Run that for three years. Again, 2012, I was an SDR. 2013, I was a manager with eight reps. 2014, I had 15 reps and another manager helping me out. 2015, I had 27 reps and three managers kind of working with me. After that, that initiative, which I run for Citrix, kind of like changed. They decided to shut down that team just because the company was going through restructuring. GoToMeeting used to be one of their products. They spun that out to another company and so on. And I came to Silicon Valley to build sales development teams from scratch, many of them for very early stage companies. And now we work across all company sizes. It might be building it from scratch or augmenting your already existing team of a few people. And or helping you set up a, a new team, maybe in Costa Rica or Mexico or Colombia or wherever you want to go. Same time zones, better cost of living, much more fun. And here we are now speaking at Unleash, like you said, and 
trying to share some insights with people. Oh, this is really interesting. I think, you know, let's dive into this a little bit. So you started a team in Costa Rica as a sales development team that would call into North America, right, to set up appointments. And it was actually people from the United States that would go there and work. But, you know, how did you set that up? What was your reasoning? And tell us more Uh about that. Yeah, I mean, I saw two trends in the market. One is like every, you know, recent college grad is in this dichotomy of like, should I start my career or should I like travel the world? And I thought, why can't you do both? Is there a good company that would allow me to work from some cool exotic location? And when I was looking at the companies, I saw the other type of problem, which is, damn, like we're hiring entry-level sales reps. We don't want to pay them too much because we don't know if they're going to work out or not. Salaries are low and they're pushing them down and, and it's it's difficult. And I said, why don't we set up a team in a place like if you look at the cost of living, just the, the exchange rates in, in, company, in co- countries like Costa Rica or Mexico or Colombia, it's a huge difference. Like you can live very well with $2,000 a month. It's like way cheaper than, let's say, Iowa, right? So like if you're going from San Francisco to Iowa, you wouldn't ask your company to pay you the same rate. Like if they lower your salary, that's fine. So we think the same way. If we're sending people further down from Iowa to, let's say, Colombia, we could pay them less, make the company happy by being more efficient in their costs and make the employees happy by letting them work from Colombia. And you just go for like six months. We're not asking to move there forever, right? But it's like an internship where you get started as an SDR. It's been incredible. It's a lot of fun. But how do you, you know, a company, you know, that basically you set it up as its own company and you were billing back to the company that you were working for as a main client, right? Because there's, how could you convince a company to set up a program like this? Because they're so buttoned down and they're not, you know, open to ideas, even though it makes perfect sense on paper and it's very most motivational. Right. So we got to run at the intersection of consulting and outsourcing. And what that means is the employees end up living under our payroll and they are under our legal structure and we get them the visas to go abroad. We actually set up the whole office space and we pay for the rent of the office and the infrastructure, computers, phones, technology. Like we're covering all those costs in, this, in the surface and we're just like essentially invoicing you back for those, right? We also set up apartment, apartment space. We run events like scuba diving, whitewater rafting, bungee jumping. I mean, the reason these kids are going down there is because they love the idea of actually having fun in a, in a different country. And what we do is we're gonna add a little bit of a margin to it. And we're gonna, it's just like, imagine you're starting another office in, in Texas. Like, what would you do? How would you run it? We say the same thing. Instead of Texas, we're gonna be in Costa Rica, but we're still hiring Americans. We're still running the same way. How would you run it? Okay, we're gonna do weekly meetings. We're gonna run with the same tools. We're in the same CRM. So we're their team. So we're helping with the operations on making it more cost-effective and more fun. This is so amazing because as the end user, you know, you just want the the meetings. You want to get in front of potential clients and, you know, you're going to contract with Tito to get that done. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's in Texas or it's in Mexico or whatever. You just right. want to get in front of potential customers. And so what you're doing is you're providing all that infrastructure for them and and an amazing experience for your employees. Tell, tell me about your employees. Like, what? Are, how do they... I've worked actually with you guys. I mean, they're amazing. I, how are they feeling about this this program? I mean, they love it, right? And, and what's funny is we do all these events and then like they start posting all their pictures on, <laughs> on Instagram and Snapchat. And then all their friends who just graduated college many times, they're like, dude, stop your vacation. You should start working soon. 
And they're like, no, 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 I work. I work for X company, right? And they don't, they don't say Alti sales. They say I work for, let's say, Citrix, right? And then they're like, oh, shit, really? What are you doing? Oh, I'm doing business development. You should apply. Here's a job description. And then they even get cash if they re- refer people, right? So, like, it's an engine for recruitment. The guys are having a lot of fun together. They're going for six months. When they come back, they're best buddies with all their friends. You think they're going to get poached by the company next door that's offering them another 3K? No, man. Like it's, They're grateful for the opportunity and the experience, and all their friends are there, and now they just want to continue their career, their company. So, this is amazing. I mean, it, it benefits the client because they get the meetings. It benefits the people that actually work there. You know, I think you're going to get flooded with resumes after this podcast, but um, <laughs> maybe one from me. But let me ask you this. You've got an amazing, there's amazing blog posts that everybody should check out that details how you structure your team as far as right. when people come on board and as they build their skills development. I thought that this, this is a very unique system. Can you walk us through how you do that once you find this excellent candidate? Right. And for the audience, for context, it's important to say that we run essentially three programs that all work 100% separately. So our company does three things. We build SDR teams for startups in the U.S. All our employees are U.S.-based. We're running a whole different program. We're not sending them to, to Costa Rica for that, right? Then for the medium-sized companies, we also have U.S. employees, U.S. managers, all that. And it's only for the huge, huge companies where we realized that at some point they wanted to bring it in-house. They're like, we need to have control we would tell them, let's let you have control. Let me just run the first six months of onboarding and training and, and doing all that. But let's Got dive it. deeper into that protocol of how do we hire and retain our employees for longer, how we build this career progression path, which we do a lot of times with our design and, and Amplify programs, right? The US-based employees. So one of the biggest challenges I think that I'm seeing is that Either companies are hiring SDRs that are pretty fresh out of college, first job or career transitioners who are coming from different industries. And they're like, you got to get meetings. Here's a phone. Here's a computer. Go. And then the reps don't really know how to write best in class emails. They're using automation to just email 500 people a day. And that can hurt your clients, right? Which is very difficult. And then other people run it the complete opposite way, which is like, okay, here's here are all your sequences. We're going to control your work. You do as we say. And then the reps kind of get frustrated after some time because they're like, well, I want to be creative and I want to do it my way. I'm not a robot that just is told what to do and executes. Like they want to bring creativity. So of course. the way we've set it up is we've divided it into four different steps of your career program as an SDR, right? And this started at Citrix. Like the program that I initially run, it was the first six months. And we call you an apprentice. And what you do as an apprentice is you have essentially, we say no voice, no opinion. So when you join... <laughs> For a little while, we definitely want to hear your creative ideas, but for a little while, we want to teach you. You just graduated college, you come from another industry, you might have some crazy awesome ideas, hold them to you for three to six months. We're going to ask you to execute on the campaigns that we know work, we're going to ask you to follow a call flow, it's not a perfect script that you got to say word by word, but it's a call flow. You say something like this first, then you say something like this, then you say something like this, right? The emails are mostly automated. We ask you to maybe research a couple of points of information, and then you run with that for a few months. Once you've got enough meetings, now we say, okay, here's the deal now. I bet you have 20 ideas written down in your notebook. If you want to go to your manager and propose an idea, we'll test one idea per month, and if your idea works better than our internal system, we'll give you 200 bucks, 200 bucks. Per idea. Nice. Right? So every month they can actually make money. But the way we do it is we're going to run best in class 
statistics on it. We're going to send a thousand emails with their template, a thousand with our template. We're going to do a thousand calls with their script, a thousand with ours. And then we're like, okay, we figured out that we get more demos with your idea. Here's 200 bucks. So that encourages them to continue to be creative and to bring up ideas and to help us get better. Right? Nice. And um, it's, it's structured. It's structured. It's not just like kind of a complaint, complaining and, you know, like uh, this, this template sucks. It's actually a structure and you can make money by bringing the best ideas. Right. Are there specific requirements to go from an apprentice to what we call a team member? Right. So we have a list of books that you have to read. There's a certain number of demos that you get a set. And again, this is for kids that are just first job after college, right, where they don't have the SDR experience that you would want from somebody who would become a team member directly. We have many employees also who just are team members from day one. We give them, we tell them what they should be doing, and we're open to hearing ideas from day one. If they're coming from another company that might have been operating in a different way, they already have some experience. So our team members can always propose ideas. But after you work with us for six to nine months as a team member, now we actually let you improvise on your own. You no longer need to bring it to your manager. We have enough data about how you've been working, how many demos you've been setting, what you've been doing. That We say, you can go freelance, essentially. Go freelance on your sequences. You can say whatever you want on the phone. You can change whatever sequences you want. We'll let you operationalize it whichever way you want. And if they're better than ours, we'll still pay you. And then we'll essentially spread them to the team so that we leverage our frontline reps for innovation. We just get better every day. Okay. And then now you're a big user, a, you know, a deep user of outreach. How do you track the success you know, or failure, I guess, of some of the campaigns and everything using outreach? Yeah. And so that's a good question. The two things that are very important. Outreach actually has user profiles and user permissions. So we can make it so that when we hire an SDR, their permissions are all blocked. They can't even create a sequence. The system will block him from creating a sequence. The system will block him from like putting a person on a sequence. We don't allow them to do anything, right? They're learning mode. We're teaching them. Mm. After three months, we can unlock permissions and so on. And then the sequences, we actually need to, as of today, we need to hack a little bit around it because it gives you the open rates and the reply rates. But then you got to go inspect a little bit deeper and figure out how many of those replies are actually positive. How many are actually getting us demos or getting us really strong referrals that will convert into demos, right? And same with the call. So we've created a call flow where we have dispositions for like, of course, like, voicemail or like nobody picked up or no connect or I talked to a receptionist. But when we talk to a decision maker, we actually classify our calls in like four to six different categories. It might be like, oh, I got shut down immediately after saying hi and asking if they have time or, hey, I got through part of my pitch, but not really all of it. So they kind of know what we do and they shut us down. The third one's like, hey, they actually heard our full pitch and we had a little bit of a conversation but then they shut us down there's another one that like i actually proposed times and said we should meet and then they declined and didn't book it and then there's hey i booked it right or and then there's hey i got a referral right so we're tracking all of those separately and then i can go look across the reps and figure out hey seems like this rep really has a lot of calls that are getting stuck in this phase so then we're gonna go listen to those call recordings and figure out okay oh you're saying you're saying, hey, 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 David, you should just say, hello, David. Right? You're being too bro -y. That's why you're getting shut down. <laughs> or whatever it is, right? Like, I'm giving a really easy, dumb example, but you get it. Right. And do you find that you get pretty good adoption from the reps on using all those 
different things? I mean, is it like, cause it seems like that would be easy to forget if you're going from call to call. Yeah. So we, on our one-on-ones, we actually record every one-on-one and we have a paper trail of the one-on-ones and what was talked about. So if we get, we're giving a lot of recommendations and ideas to the reps and they're not adopting them, we're actually going to go back and be like, dude, on week four that you were on this job, we talked about this. Then we talked about again on week six. It's week seven, just finished this week, and you're still not doing it. So oh boy. Okay. why? Well, like, help me understand, like, what's happening? Did I not explain it well enough? Or are you forgetting? Or what would you do if you're in my shoes and you're trying to coach somebody and they just don't listen to you? Right. Mm, or what, how, how are you feeling about it? Am I, are you opposed to my feedback or do you think my ideas are not working out? Right. And we, we get a lot of buying also because of how we hire when we're hiring the reps. We make it very clear. We're like, you're here to learn. We've been doing this for many years. You know, like I, I get lucky to say, hey, I spoke at this conference and I do this and we built 20 teams and they, they sense my expertise. And then they're like, yeah, like I want to learn from you. A lot of the reps that join us, they're not like, oh, yeah, I'm just looking for a job. They're like, Tito, I followed XYZ. I followed your, I followed one of your reps' comments on LinkedIn. Seems like you guys are incredible. I want to learn. So then nice. we're like, okay, you wanted to learn. So I'm teaching you. You're not learning what's happening, right? And we, we solve it. Like they end up writing things down or practicing or like I put them together and they pitch each other. They get on the phone and pitch pitch another rep 30 times and then when they get on the phone they're ready and they're pumped up and they and the script comes out the way it has to come now that's interesting there's a guy named ralph barcy who i'm sure you met i think he was at the conference he he said it's kind of like putting out your leadership bat symbol you know that you that like batman used to put above the city but your leadership bat symbol is like this is a guy i want to work with you know based on reading your posts and listening to your podcasts and things like that, they want to come and work with you so that they can learn and you get, you end up getting a better candidate, you know, based on self selection. They actually want to come and learn with you versus just collect a paycheck. Exactly. And it's, it's funny you say that you were talking about how we're going to get a bunch of candidates before I hopped on this call. We're actually hiring at the moment another two SDRs. And I was going through our ATS system, trying to look for people. And just today I got seven applicants and I'm like, this is insane. I hadn't even mentioned that I was hiring. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are a little bit too junior for us. Like if they have no experience for this current role we're hiring, we're hiring senior SDRs. They all work remote. You can be in any city. But we need somebody who is very strong on the phones. And our interview process is like, dude, some people think it's the worst and some people think it's the best. It's just tedious. And we do a lot of cold calling and we do a lot of like mock calls. Like I'll have the rep pitch me his current solution as a cold call during the interview uh, on the phone and they're like, Oh, well, I'm not ready. Then you're probably not good enough. Right. <laughs> and I ask them to build a sequence. Like, what would you say via email? And if they do it well, they guarantee themselves a job and we pay more than most companies. It's very interesting. Like we're trying to run best team ever built, right? That's our ambition. And I don't think we'll ever get to perfection, but every day is a step closer to it. Right. Yeah. August 30th, 2018, San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference, the first and only live conference 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Join over 300 of the top minds in sales development for a full day of learning, forging new relationships, and creating the next generation of sales development excellence. This year, we have dedicated tracks for sales development leadership, as well as a track for individual sales development representatives, including a full day of ultra-useful hands-on training. 
Bring your whole team to get the tools, research, and connections you need to accelerate your career and push your sales development program forward. Accelerate your growth at the Sales Development Conference 2018. Go to tenboundcom conference to get your tickets today. That's tenboundcom conference. Tell us more about how you envision it, because your thoughts of sales development is a lot different than your average, you know, run-of-the-mill sales development program. I mean, you look at things completely yeah. differently. You're trying to build the world's best team and impart that on your clients. How do you look at it differently than most people? Well, I believe that sales development is going to become the most important function of the sales funnel. Just because marketing has been in this problem where like they were before trying to max maximize MQLs, marketing qualified leads. And then like there would be this fight with sales because sales wanted just good quality meetings and they, they were getting so there was misalignment. Now everybody's talking today about alignment. And I think we're gonna start seeing marketing being measured not on MQLs, but on how many meetings do they actually source for the sales team that are good quality meetings with target accounts. Everybody's talking account-based marketing. So now marketing is going to be focused on accounts to bring those accounts to the sales team. And then sales development just sits in the middle where we're either going to help marketing bring more inbound or we're going to do cold outbound ourselves to very high valuable targets. And therefore, everybody's being measured on meetings. And now you have a measurable way to determine the success of this campaign. And it's no longer a call center. It's revenue generating. Right? You know that your pipeline to close ratio is one to three or one to five or whatever it is. Now you know the value of every meeting, you know the value of, of all that, and now you can invest more in sales development. I think that's going to change. And when that changes, SDRs are going to start getting paid much, much more commission. And you're going to start seeing SDRs. I know only one SDR who's making $190,000 a year right now, and he's like the best performer outreach.io, actually. They pay very, very, very well. And we also pay very, very, very well. For our teams now, our teams are remote. So, you know, if I have an employee working out of, let's say, again, for the same sake of the state that I gave as an example before, but if I have a rep working Iowa making 190K, like no company does this, right? Just for operational intelligence, what you got to do is, oh, you pay them the equivalent. Like it might be 140 in Iowa, the equivalent to 190 in San Francisco and so on. But our reps get paid much more than any other local job they could ever get. But you see this profession being elevated to something completely different than what uh, it is today. I mean, I think we're both on the same page there. I think it's going to be on par with AEs. I don't think that there's going to be an SDR getting promoted to AE. I think a lot of AEs are going to get promoted to SDRs later on. And, and here's why. Like, I think a lot of field AEs are tired of being on the field and traveling around and carrying a suitcase. And they're going to be like, dude, I'm, I'm 55, I'm 60, I'm 40, whatever. I have kids at home. I don't want to be on the road anymore. I want to work inside. And they're like, okay, what are you good at? There'll be a lot that are like, well, I'm pretty pretty good at getting us meetings. They'll be like, okay, sure. I'll pay you still 250K OTE to help us get meetings. And then we'll give those to some junior guys or not junior, but a little bit more junior than you who are willing to pick up the suitcase and, and go travel and close the deals. And it'll be one-on-one. So you, you might have fresh kids out of college doing SDR work then you can go to the AE route, and then you'd come back to SDR route. Interesting. Um, and it all revolves strategically around the meeting. That's really interesting, too. So from your view, the marketing and sales and sales development, kind of the silos right now are, that are kind of misaligned, they all start to align around the meeting. 
setting up right. the meeting, right? And it's not just any meeting with any account, right? We're in yeah. the world of account-based. So now we will, the company will say, these are the 500 accounts we're targeting right now. If you can get a meeting in any of those 500 accounts with the right profile of person, oh, okay, we're going for director level plus in sales operations. Boom. If you can get that meeting to show up at the scheduled time, that's what marketing success will be measured on. That's right. about it. From then on, the meeting has happened. It enters pipeline immediately because it was a selected account. So the rep can say, oh, that's not a good fit. Well, the account's a fit. If they're not interested right now, sure, leave it on somewhat stale mode until the timing is a little bit better. But now you are managing that relationship and you're nurturing them. And maybe marketing will help you by nurturing them also with a newsletter campaign every couple of weeks. But it's so much more targeted and so much smarter. Okay. And what if a marketer came to you and said, well, uh, Tito, this is great. I mean, I love appointments, sales appointments, all that stuff. But what about the brand and all these pens? I ordered all these pens, you know, for our trade show and, you know, all that's part of it, like content and all that. I mean, wh- where does that all fit in? Right. Uh, there's there's going to be some part of brand that it's unmeasurable, right? I think Gary V says, what's the ROI on your mom? Right. Um, he jokes about that, which I love because he's so right. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. Have you never heard of that one? I've never I've, heard that one. That is I've seen it like three or four times and I laugh every time. I'm like, so you can't, yeah. you can't quantify that. Okay. I got, right. I got you. Okay. Brand's almost unquantifiable, but, but yeah. there's a stage at a company for that, right? If you're a startup and you're first starting, you're not like, oh yeah, let me worry about brand. You start worrying about brand once you're like, you know, tens of millions of dollars and you've raised a bunch of money. And yes, IBM and, you know, Microsoft will always have brand marketers. But in the early days, when you're trying to figure out your revenue model and you're trying to get to profitability, dude, yeah, don't hurt your brand. Like, don't get a data breach. But like, do you need to be everywhere? I don't, I don't think so. I think they're going to be measured on like, what's your contribution to revenue, right? It's like a sales rep. Like, what if the sales rep today comes to like, dude, yeah, I know this, this quarter I closed zero. Dude, I told so many people about the brand. <laughs> Fire his ass. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, let me, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> let me ask you this. Have, have you ever had a client come to you or been in a situation where there wasn't a good product market fit. I, I think that's that's one thing that you have to think about. So, there's a lot of SDR teams out there who are driving for the appointment. They're doing all the right things, you know. Right. But the thing is, nobody wants the product. Yeah, and that happens, right? So if you're the fourth best in your category, you're dead. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Well, and then you got to figure out who your niche is, right? Like. There are many examples, right? So like, I think that the best sales engagement or customer engagement tool is outreach, right? However, if you have one rep, you don't have sales ops and you're trying to be very scrappy and you don't want to spend the money and you don't know how to run outreach, are you okay running with like, I don't know, there's so many others like SendBloom or Get Prospect, or Zen Prospect, like there's a ton of tools, right? But then what what's going to happen is I think, Anybody who becomes big and understand the, understands that they need to run a great team and they have the money and the investment, they'll buy outreach. And then the other players will have their niche, right? And it happens in, in, in so many other areas too. Like, you know, Salesforce is the best CRM, like undoubtedly. But is, is HubSpot CRM dead? No, like they have a market, they have a niche, they have a certain type of company and product that they sell to. So what's going to be eliminated is the ability for your SDRs to go grab 
thousands of emails and just blast the market like crazy and try to sell to anybody and set any meeting. What you're going to have to do is define who is the account that we want to go after. And it might be we sell to accountants that have between one and five accountants in-house, and there's 3 million of those around the nation. And that's your market. And now you just go after them. And if you book a meeting with them, that's good. Right. Okay. So that's a question that I had. When you engage with company, let's say they do have a good product market fit. So you're pretty confident they do have a good product market fit. What's your process for going, okay, high level, where do we start You know, with this right. client? And how do we start to get these people some meetings? Right. So I say the first things we ask is, okay, who are your customers? And why do they buy? And how much are they spending so far? And is that a big market to go after? Right. So they they might tell me, oh, yeah, you know, we do security software, we do network orchestration. Okay. Who do you sell to? Well, network engineers. Okay. How many companies have network engineers? There's a a couple thousand. Okay. How much is your product? Uh, Half a million dollars a year. Okay. Interesting. Cool. A couple thousand, half a million. Sounds like a big, big enough market. We can go after them. What are the qualifiers for that? And they're like, well, we believe, and at the beginning, it's hard, right? We believe it's X, Y, Z, and one, two, three. And we're like, okay, do you understand that the value of the meetings is not just only the revenue potential, but the customer feedback? And if they understand that, then building a sales development team makes sense because they're now not only measuring how much money can we make, but did we learn anything from that meeting, right? And many times I've had clients who like, literally, I had a client who's like, dude, like everything we're selling is enterprise. I need to start selling more mid-market. He's like, let's hire Alti Sales. I'm like, cool. We start working with them. We got them 20 meetings per month for like five months. And then they kicked off three pilots with mid-market companies and none of those worked. They, the mid-market companies didn't have enough data for their software solution to work. And they came back to us and they're like, dude, sorry, we suck. And we weren't able to sell anything, but it wasn't because of you. It's just like, we're not a pro market fit for the market we're going after. So what we're going to do is we need you to go enterprise and we're shifting gears. We're also shifting our fundraising campaign and what we're going to be talking after. Now let's go enterprise, right? But it's not like it was a waste of time. Like yeah. it's good that they learned it early on. Otherwise, like you don't want to learn it when you have 20 SDRs. You want to learn when you have one or two. Right. And I mean, I think that that's, that's something that Carrie Simpson goes into on, on her podcast. I know you listen to it, but they're, they're used sometimes to test the market before they put in a lot of money on the product development. So that's a perfect example. They came to you and they said, we have a hypothesis that says we can go after mid-market. Alti sales, go do it. We'll see if we can sell anything. Hey, you guys did a great job, but we can't actually sell anything here. So we're now shift up to enterprise. That is interesting. Okay. And I have some like revenue signals, right? So like Uh if you're making 250K in annual revenue from a certain sort of customer... I think we can go after that market. It, you have some signals that it's it's possibly a good fit. If you're making over a million dollars a year from a certain type of client, then it's a good fit. Like if you've convinced enough people to give you a million dollars a year to use what you have, you clearly have product market fit, right? But I've had companies like one of my clients right now, they're in Y Combinator. And I won't disclose their name, but they have zero revenue. They're like, oh, we just talked to the guys at YC and we have product market fit. And he's like, I'm going to be, uh, he's like, I have 150K in the bank. That's all our money we have. We don't have a revenue team. I'm the CEO. I'm going to be selling this. I just need meetings. I don't have time to do it. Can you get us meetings? And I looked at their product and evaluated it. And I was like, this is an incredible product. We usually don't take clients that have no revenue. But I was like, I'll do this for you. And we're getting them meetings now so that they can 
get the customer feedback, see if it works out, and then they'll increase their pipeline. And when they go fundraise, they're going to be like, well, we have $7 million in pipeline or $2 million in pipeline, and we've closed two small deals for X amount. Like when you're in the early stages, your valuation as a company is so highly dependent on revenue that like sometimes a multiple is 10 to 20x. So they close a 50K deal, they made another million dollars as valuation. Dude, I mean, this is insane. this is insane. And what I don't understand is why every venture capital firm doesn't call you and say, we've got this basket of companies. We're trying to figure out if there's anything even here, you know, beforehand. Alti sales, you take it or a firm like yours. This isn't just a big commercial for you, but <laughs> it's a firm like <laughs> yours and go out and test the market. Get us meetings. It benefits the, the company. It benefits the VC. It benefits everybody in that case. Yeah, we had a, pri- a couple of private equity firms come to us and say, we're buying some companies that are like somewhat failing and they have a couple million in revenue and they don't, just don't know how to run marketing and, and sales. And we would just love to run your program with all of our companies we're acquiring. But it's interesting. Some like, unfortunately, the one that uh, was talking to us was trying to, they compared us to some other t- type of outsourcing, right? Like, oh, well, why would I run with you if I can pay a third of what I pay you? to this other outsourcing call center in Philippines. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. okay, we're in the wrong spot here. Like, you should go totally do that, right? Like, yeah. they're not going to figure out your market. They're not going to build. You don't have American people. Like, there's, there's so many reasons why you wouldn't just – it's not just let's outsource it to anybody. You need the expertise. So, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. we're – I but mean, it, I'd love to work with a venture capital it could group be that so, wants us to run it. so valuable because you can save a lot of time in just figuring out where should we point things and then you know you know if if you do have some momentum you could potentially build the in-house team but it's like start start with the hypothesis do the testing have someone do the work get the ceo in front of potential customers and see if they can sell it first in, instead right. of trying to build it the other way so that's really interesting Tito, dude, I feel like we could go on for for days. This has been so helpful. How do people get in touch with you if if they're again if they've been living in a cave? How can they follow you and get more of this information? Uh, yeah, simply, I mean, probably LinkedIn is the best place. I'm pretty easy to find. Tito, T I T O, just like the vodka. They'll stick in your mind now. <laughs> And the uh, last name is Bort, B-O-H-R-T. I guess you'll have it right below in the comments or something, and they can just they can find me. Just add me if you're if you're sales, sales ops, revenue ops, whatever, marketing, anything. If you're revenue focused, yeah, connect with me. Say you found me through David Delaney's podcast, and uh, if you have any specific questions about what, what you know, and I can help. You know, what I wanted to do today is provide so much value. Like you should read some of my articles. You have questions about that. I, I try to. Give a lot. I don't ask a lot in return. So yeah, definitely. I mean, any like, and again, just to advocate. I mean, Tito's got some great thoughts in, on his blog. Go back and read up. Engage. He's, he engages you on LinkedIn, and and definitely check out AltiSource, AltiSales. Sorry, at AltiSales.com. We'll put a link in the comments as well. Tito, thank you very much. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. 
If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.